0: Hello guys, welcome to the Eat Like Ruby podcast. I am here today doing a solo episode and what I'm gonna talk about today, I'm gonna get straight into it, is five of my personal habits with nutrition and training. And I guess we would look at these as what people call non-negotiables, but I personally don't love that saying. I feel like that can sometimes be put out there with a bit of like, I have to do this. If we think about people talking about non-negotiables, it's like, this is something I have to do or I force myself to do, et cetera. Personally, the things I'm gonna talk about today are more just like no-brainers. When I think about my nutrition and training and my goals with my health and my physique and my performance, my training, all of these things, the habits that I implement daily and consistently are just things that are no-brainers if I wanna optimize training and performance and physique so I've written a little bit of a list and I've tried to cull it down so it's a little bit more dot point we can just rattle them all off there's absolutely going to be things I talk about today that we would have spoken about on the podcast before and the reason for that guys I've said this before but there's no brand new information I'm not going to sit here and pull brand new information out of thin air just for the sake of it We don't need brand new information because we know what works. So we're always going to talk about some of the same things, but we'll always talk about it in a little bit of a different way. Talking about it today in a way of this is what I personally do, I think is cool to just explain what I really focus on and why and how. So I thought I would break down my top five and we can just go from there. So number one, this actually is a non-negotiable to me in terms of like I would never not do this. When I think about my nutrition and training, no matter what, I am doing this thing. And this is eating a pre-training high carbohydrate meal. And when I say I would never not do this, people often say to me, oh, but what about if you train early? What would you eat if you train early? I eat the exact same thing if I'm training at 3 a.m. or if I'm training at 10 p.m. So having a high carbohydrate meal pre-training is just non-negotiable, a no-brainer to me. And we've spoken a little bit on the podcast before about the specifics and what we're looking for with this meal. I'll rattle that off really quickly now. Basically, when we look at a pre-training meal, what studies tell us is the most optimal thing we can eat is 0.6 grams of carbohydrates per kilo of body weight. So if we think about a 60 kilo person, we're looking at 36 grams of carbohydrates. We're wanting that to be low fiber, quick digesting carbohydrates so in that pre-training meal we're looking for low fiber and low fat for that exact reason that they are slower digesting nutrients so they take longer to get into the system and provide energy and they can take longer to digest so it can lead to that like sluggish heavy feeling that some people really don't like when they're going into a training session so that's why we focus on low fiber high carbohydrate and for me personally if I think about why this is, if we think about training, we did the episode recently with Shaq about him training for the triathlon. And if we think about what we spoke about there, training is an energetic demand on the body. You're asking the body to perform something high energy, it's high demand, it's high intensity. If we're not giving it the right fuel to do that, it actually doesn't make sense. And the thing that I really think about with this and why it's a non-negotiable for me, I love how I say I'm not going to use the term non-negotiable and I've, now I've said it like 10 times, but <laughs> the reason that it is one for me is because my goal, when I think about my main objective and my main goal with training, it's to train as well as I can and optimize performance, to build as much muscle mass and be as strong as I can. If we reverse engineer that, and as a little bit of a side note, some people hear that and then they go, oh, but I don't want to be muscly. We've spoken about this before. We know that even when we have the goal of being like air quote toned, really that is just a person with enough muscle on the frame and a low enough body fat percentage to reveal that muscle. So anyone that has a goal of increasing muscle math, training well, increasing strength, being toned, being lean, any of these things really when we think about that if that is the end goal if we reverse engineer from there we in order to achieve that we want to train as well as we can we want to have the most optimal training performance lift as heavy as we can lift as well as we can in order to do that the body needs the fuel and the energy to do so so really if we connect all these dots and we think about a person with a goal of wanting to be Lean, toned, muscly, jacked, whatever you wanna call it. If you wanna be in shape and you're trying to change your physique through your training, you need to be training as well as you can. To train as well as you can, you need the energy to do so. And that's why the pre-training meal is a no-brainer to me because if we think about that end goal and we work backwards... That's the first step towards achieving it, to walk into the gym with the right energy in the system to pull off the session that we need to pull off, to build the physique that we wanna build, is such a no brainer. So if we think about, like I said, those, what studies tell us are those optimal numbers, 0.6 grams, of carbohydrates per kilo of body weight for a 60 kilo person which is roughly me give or take depending on where i'm at we're looking at 36 grams of carbohydrates what we really really want to clock there is that is the minimum and we speak so much about minimums in eat like ruby and on the podcast for the reason that we know we want at least that in the system if we can get more it's just better if we think about the fact that hitting that minimum requirement is going to give us energy to pull off that training session. The higher we go over that minimum, the more energy we're gonna give. Again, if we continue to connect the dots, we've given the body more energy, it's gonna train even better, it's gonna optimize that performance and the end goal even more. So it's really important to clock those terms of, or when we use that term minimum requirement, if we can hit that, awesome. If we can go over it, even better. And for me personally, the pre-training meal is so important to me. Like I said, it's I'll have it no matter the time, no matter the phase, no matter what. And when I am really in a phase like I am now of trying to optimize performance, physique and muscle mass, I have a massive pre-training meal. So at the moment, I usually have three crumpets with 60 grams of jam. And I'll, I also have some stamina during like intra-workout carbs as well. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. But the combo of that meal is about 110 grams of carbohydrates. If we think about that minimum requirement for me being 36 grams, I'm over here getting 110. Like I said, the more we can get in, the better within reason. Obviously, everyone's going to hit a point and I'll talk about this in a second. Everyone's going to hit a point where it's like, okay, I've eaten enough. (laughs) Like we don't need to just eat for the sake of eating. But For me personally, if I know that I can stomach that food and then I walk into the gym and I'm on fire, I'm pumped, energy's there. Physically, like in my system, energy is there, but also mentally, physically, I'm feeling good, I'm not hungry, I'm pumped, I'm ready to go. That's exactly what I want to then rip into the session to work towards that end goal. And like I said, it can be really common for people to say either, oh, like I train really early, so it's really hard for me to eat, or like I don't like to eat before I train and people would have heard me saying I eat that massive meal and people are like, oh my God, there's no way I could do that or whatever. It's so important to find the most you can do, in my opinion. If we think about everything I've just said, you want to get as close to that minimum as you can. In my opinion, to me, it is a non-negotiable. It's like if we know that that's the most optimal thing to do, I'm doing it. Like, I don't really care about anything else. I'm always going to do what I know to be the most optimal to work towards my goal. But what I'm getting at here is if you're someone who's like, I can't eat that much or I train early or whatever, find where the limit is for you. Often people can say things like, I can't eat before I train. And that's a very blanket statement. And I've said on the podcast before, if that person was to then have one single lolly, they'd probably feel fine. So you actually can eat before you train, even if it's just one lolly. And then if we think about that, what if you had two, like literally just two lollies? You're probably still gonna feel fine. You're not gonna feel air quote sick. If I eat before I train, it's two lollies. It probably won't even touch the sides. And the reason I use this example is because if we think about that, maybe you can have one, two, three, four. Find where the limit is for you. Even if we think about another food, a really good pre-training meal or snack is like rice cakes or rice crackers. Maybe you can't have half a packet but maybe you can have three or four. So again, test that and find where the limit is for you. Don't just put that statement out there of, I can't eat before I train. Usually we can eat something. And I think it's super important to play with that and think about, okay, well, if I know that the most optimal thing is, like we said, 0.6 grams per kilo, we know the thing. How close can I get to that? Am I willing to get to it? Can I go over it? Like stop wherever you want to stop, but know what the most optimal is and then work towards it. And the other little thing we want to clock here is obviously if I think about that pre-training meal that I just said that I have, it is 110 grams of carbs. If I'm in a fat loss phase, if I'm in a deficit, I'm not having a meal that big because it would take up like half of my carbs, probably all of my carbs for the day. (laughs) Like It just wouldn't make a lot of sense to fit in something of that volume and then not really have many carbs, many calories, anything left for the day. So this ties in so well with another point that I'm going to speak about in a second. But this is where, in my opinion, it's so important, I'm going to go a little bit off topic, but it is all going to tie in. It's so important to me to keep a fat loss phase very short, very sharp, very effective, to get in Get the result and get out. And the reason I say that, if we tie in together everything that I just said, if my goal is to build a physique and build strength, we know that A, that's not happening in a calorie deficit. We're not building awesome strength and an awesome physique when we're on low calories all the time. And B, if we think about the fact that I personally feel great and train really well on that high carbohydrate intake. I know I can't have that high carbohydrate meal when I'm in a deficit. So therefore, I know that I'm not going to do the most optimal training and be working towards that big end goal that I have when I'm in that deficit. So what I'm getting at here is we want to piece all this together and think if there's things that I know are the most optimal for me to do to work towards my end goal, I want to be doing them as often as I can. And for me, that's having a big pre-training meal. And if I think about the fact that I can't really have a big pre-training meal when I'm in a deficit, it's like, we'll spend as little amount of fucking time in a deficit as possible. So you don't have to sacrifice this other goal. And I am going to speak more to that deficit thing in a second. But I think it's just really important to really think about your goals and know the most optimal thing that like studies tell us and science tells us we should be doing for that goal, know the most optimal thing that we personally want to do and enjoy doing and can do for that goal and really think about, okay, how do I make the most of that? If that's my goal, how do I do that every day? How do I go all in on that as often as I can to work towards it? The other little thing that I touched on there was the intra-workout carbs, which um, if you're in Eat Like Ruby or if you've had an Eat Like Ruby meal plan, you will know we always factor in like Powerade, Staminade, something like that. That is for the reason that, again, they're very quick, easy to digest carbohydrates, but there's also electrolytes that come in there as well. So we know when we train, we lose things like sodium and everything, electrolytes through sweat. So we want to replenish that as much as we can through the stamina. So it kind of ticks multiple boxes there of providing carbs, providing electrolytes. It's easy to get in because we can just sip on it. So to me, again, it's a no-brainer. I would just further increase the carbohydrate intake and therefore the energy coming into training by having that as my intra workout drink. And then this kind of leads me to point number two. And point number two is all about protein. And the reason that it kind of um, stems on from that last point is to me, a no brainer is post-workout protein. And this is something that people in the industry are a little bit mixed on at the moment. There was a massive thing years ago where everyone was like, you have to have protein straight after training, as in like literally do your last set, weights down smash down a shake. And studies have shown that it doesn't have to be that intense. It doesn't have to be that quick. But we also know that getting protein in the system in like the two hour window post-training is very optimal for, again, building that lean physique, building a strong physique, increasing muscle mass. Protein is such a no-brainer. And protein is actually the thing that led me to wanting to do this episode. Because It comes up so often in Eat Like Ruby, it comes up in so many places. And I would say that no matter what, for the last 10 years, like no matter my goal, no matter my phase, no matter whether it's like Christmas day, a birthday, anything at all, I would honestly say that I think I have eaten sufficient protein every single day for the last 10 years. Like it is just so ingrained in me as a habit. Whether I actually track it or not and know the exact amount that I'm eating, Like, we know I spend lots of time away from tracking and things like that. But even then, it is such a no-brainer to me to always just look at the day and be like, where can I get protein in? Have I got enough protein in? And really always just factor that in. And I would say, like, I couldn't tell you a day where I haven't eaten, I'd say, over 100 grams of protein in literally, like I said, the last decade. So that's what really prompted me to do this episode because I was like, that is – such a no-brainer to me like it's just such an ingrained habit and I think it's an absolute game changer there's so many benefits to protein like it could honestly be its whole own episode but I'll try and keep it simple here I feel like my mind wants to go in like a million directions we've spoken a little bit on the podcast before about muscles breaking down during training and tearing muscle fibres having like muscle damage during training. That's the point of training. We wanna hit that intensity, we wanna hit that point. We know that protein is responsible for the rebuild and the repair of all tissue in the body, including muscle. So if we're training and breaking that muscle down and we want it to rebuild and repair, it's such a no brainer to then factor in protein. And we know this to be true when we look at science, when we look at studies protein is the like key nutrient in muscle protein synthesis meaning when the muscles do go through that breakdown then they go through that muscle protein synthesis protein is like the driving factor of fueling that process and really that is exactly what it sounds like we're breaking muscle down we we're rebuilding we're repairing we're breaking down we're going through that again and we need protein in that process so it's such a no-brainer to build new muscle it's such a no-brainer when it comes to maintaining so even when we are pursuing a fat loss phase or we're not focused or we're not too bothered about really, air quote, putting on muscle, it's still such a key factor in maintaining a lean physique, but then it's also such a key factor in just maintaining optimal health because if we think about it being responsible for rebuilding and repairing tissue in the body, obviously we want that when we think about everything our body is doing all the time. (laughs) It needs that to help it go through that process. So it's such a no-brainer to me And the the few things we want to clock here, one of the reasons we say to get it in that post-training window is like I said, we're in that breakdown phase. So we want that protein to come in and really kickstart that muscle protein synthesis. But the other thing we know about protein is that it's not stored in the body. So if the body isn't getting regular doses of it, there's no like air backup stores. There's none there available for the body to use in that process. And this is so important to think about as well. And this is something that I really think about for myself. This is something I think about when I'm writing meal plans. We don't wanna get in the habit of like a random bulk feeding of protein and then not much protein for the rest of the day or at other times during the day. If you've been in Eat Like Ruby and you think about the meal plans, we often factor in protein shakes and I'm gonna come back to protein shakes in a second because that's a huge topic. But we factor in like protein shakes, yogurt, eggs, meat, dairy, a few other forms of protein, but they're quite regular. They're quite consistent throughout the day. And it is for that reason. We want regular feedings of protein coming in all throughout the day. Now I'm going to talk about protein shakes because so many people are against them. And I think there's something to look at here. There's something to think about here. The first thing that I want to say is I personally don't like them. And I don't think anyone really does. I don't think anyone's like, fuck yeah, can't wait to have my protein shake. Maybe maybe a few people, but <laughs> I definitely don't think anyone's got the choice of, you know, like a chocolate muffin and a protein shake and everyone's like, oh, protein shake, please. Like, it's just not the thing. And the reason I'm saying this is because, like I said, personally, I do not like them, yet I have one pretty much every single day and especially on training days, especially post-training. And The reason for this is because again, it's a no brainer to me. I know the benefits, I know my goal and I know that the most optimal thing I can do for that goal is get regular protein in throughout the day. So if we know that a whey protein shake is such a good quality source of protein, to me, it's like, suck it up and drink it. Honestly, (laughs) that is really the mentality that I take is if I think about doing a training session, finishing that session literally just throwing back a shake that takes about 30 seconds. Yes, maybe it's 30 seconds of discomfort and I pull a few faces and I'm like, that was kind of gross. But it's literally like I said, 30 seconds, it is done. And I know that I've ticked off something that is so incredibly optimal and important to move me in the direction that I want to go with my goals. So again, it's a no brainer. I wouldn't let myself be like, oh no, I don't really like that. So the thing I want to point out on, on, as a side note to that is if you are easily hitting your protein target without protein shakes, that's totally fine. We definitely don't have to have them. But the reason I bring up this thing about the shakes is because so many people struggle to hit it. And so many people will even say to me, how can I hit my protein? Like I'm really struggling to hit protein. Any suggestions of how, of how I can hit it without shakes, and people just seem to be so anti-shakes. And I think it can be for a couple of reasons. Like I said, A, they're not that nice. No one really loves them. B, I think some people are like in that mentality of like, I don't wanna be in a, on an air quote, like shake diet. I think the important thing to clock there, and it kind of brings me to my next point is, whey protein is a very, very good quality source of protein. If you are eating a well-balanced diet and factoring other good sources of protein into it you're ticking other boxes fruit veg fiber all of that and you're including a good quality whey protein shake in that day that's not an air quote bad diet that's not a shake diet in my opinion you're just factoring something in that's going to help you work towards your goals so i think we need to just catch like why do we think that's bad why do we think like i'd love to hit my target without shakes again like I said if you can that's awesome but if you can't and you're really struggling and you're really like anti-shakes I would just clock why that is that kind of ties into the next point like always like I said whey protein so when we look at protein shakes One of the best sources we can get is whey protein. It might be called like WPI, which stands for whey protein isolate. And really whey protein is just a really good source of protein. And that was the next thing I wanted to talk about is factoring in good sources of protein. The reason I say this is because air quotes, like high protein foods are becoming so insanely popular. Like if we go to the shops, if we look online, whatever, we get like high protein chocolate, high protein chips, high protein ice cream and then obviously like protein bars and all the random shit that can come with that. In my opinion and for me personally when I'm planning my days, that is not a good enough source of protein to include in my day. I I was going to say very rarely, but I'd actually say never factor in things like protein chips, protein ice cream, protein chocolate I don't even know (laughs) what else is out there. But when we look at protein, this really could be its whole own episode because there's so much to it. But one of the key things about protein, I'm going to try and keep this quite simple and not get too sciencey, but protein is made up of what we call amino acids. And there's 20 amino acids in a protein. There's 11 amino acids that are produced in the body, like our body can produce them. There's nine amino acids that the body cannot produce and we need to get from food. And you might've heard of these before being referred to as the essential amino acids. For that reason, it's essential that we get them from our diet because we cannot get them from foods. If we look at like what I'm going to refer to right now as like poor quality protein foods in air quotes, usually these don't, contain those nine essential amino acids like all nine of them and therefore they're what we actually refer to as an incomplete protein and I don't want to like I said I don't want to get too sciencey because I don't want to lose people here but what I want people to learn from this and what I want people to take from this is the point and the real big benefit of protein is to get the complete protein source into the system containing those nine essential amino acids. Often when we look at these random man-made proteiny foods, whatever we want to call them, they often don't hit this mark. And even if we take it one step further, any like nutritionists or coaches or anything listening, you're probably still with me, but I might've lost everyone else. There's a one amino acid that we really specifically want to get f- from our high protein foods and that's leucine. And I'm, again, I'm not going to get into the science of it, but leucine is one thing we really, really want. It's it's a major player in (laughs) that muscle protein synthesis and the repair, the rebuild. And if we think about that being the thing that is building our toned physique and all the things that we want, it's really a key factor that we want in our day and in our diet regularly. And it's predominantly found in things like um, animal protein sources. So like meat, dairy, and then whey protein. If people don't know, whey protein is derived from milk so that is a dairy source and it usually does have a high leucine count. So I hope I didn't lose everybody there. But <laughs> really to me and coming back to I guess my own personal nutrition habits and the things we're talking about today, the reason that I don't like to get my protein from all of those random foods is because it doesn't have that good quality complete protein that we would get if we were instead eating things like chicken, beef, fish, dairy, whey protein. As a little bit of a side note, if you're someone who's listening, who's like vegan, vegetarian, we can get complete proteins through comboing other meals. So if we look at certain foods, like rice might have some of the essential amino acids and beans might have some of the essential amino acids. And if we eat rice and beans together, we can form a complete protein like that. So again, I'm probably just confusing people at this point. I'm not going to do like a big spiel about the vegetarian diet and all of that, but if you're someone who's listening and thinks like, oh, but I don't eat meat, there is ways that you can still get complete protein in your diet, but that is not my point. I'll come back to my point. Factoring in all of these random high-protein foods can just leave us with not that good of a quality protein in our day and therefore it not actually having the benefit that we want. The other little thing I'll say about protein before we move on is if we are factoring in all these little random things like the chips and the ice cream and whatever that maybe give us like eight grams of protein over here and seven grams over here and whatever, we want a decent serve of protein coming in throughout those regular intervals through the day. If I think about myself, and again, I'll bring it back to my personal habits, if my protein target is around that 120 grams mark, which is what I usually aim for, I am mindful to break that up into like four or five, 20 to 30 gram servings. So that it's regularly coming in, like I said before, it's not stored in the body, so we want it coming in regularly. But then, so when it does come in, there's a big hit there, the complete protein is there, the leucine is there, all the things are there. The body can do what it needs to do with that protein. Again, to work towards my goals of wanting to be muscleier, stronger, leaner, all of the things, even toned, if we want to bring it back to that. So I'm going to wrap up point number two there because that was protein. I feel like this is going to end up being a long episode. So on to point number three, it is um, teeming with a the theme of like, food quality supplements, if you will. One supplement that I personally take every single day, again, no matter the phase, no matter the goal, is creatine. And as a bit of a side note, people often say like, what supplements do you take and what supplements should I take and whatever? This is such an individual thing. So I'll never really sit here and give advice on a range of supplements that people should take. I think it's worth the individual finding out what they might be deficient in or what they might need. From their doctor to actually know what they need to supplement their diet with but creatine is something that 99% of people would benefit from unless there's a specific like medical reason that you shouldn't creatine is so beneficial and again to me it's one of the no-brainer non-negotiables of my day it's literally if you don't know it's just a plain white powder it literally tastes like nothing you take like three grams it's pretty much like a teaspoon give or take i mix it in like the tiniest little bit of water, mix it up, throw it back. I actually just have it as the last thing I have for the day before I brush my teeth and that's it. It's very simple, it's very easy, there's not much to it. The reason that I supplement with creatine and I'm such a big believer, it is one of the few supplements that just has so much evidence of the benefit. There's so many supplements out there these days and sometimes we get a study that supports one and then pretty soon we get a study that conflicts with everything that that last study said and it's very hard to say that most supplements definitely work there's a few supplements that have a lot of evidence and a few like a lot of proven studies and creatine is one of them caffeine is another one i'm not going to talk about caffeine today because i'm on a caffeine break and i don't want to talk about it but (laughs) i'll talk about that at some point but um creatine is really like a no-brainer daily non-negotiable for me and The benefit of creatine, I'll try and keep this one short. In simple terms, we have creatine in the body. We can get creatine from food, but we usually can't get enough to saturate the creatine stores. And basically what that means is there's a bit already in the body, food maybe gives us a bit more. We want our creatine stores to be as topped up as they can be. The reason for this, the Creatine and where creatine factors in is we have what we call the phosphocreatine system in our body. In simple terms, this is an energy system that fires pretty quickly when we do like intense, explosive, fast movements. So if we think about like taking off into a sprint or doing a jump or lifting a heavy weight, the phosphocreatine system is a system that kicks in quite early in that process and give like provides energy for us to do that. If we think about the fact that the body has creatine there, the creatine or the phosphocreatine system fires when we start lifting weights or similar. If we have supplemented creatine and topped up that creatine store, there's more there. That system's just gonna fire even better. And usually the way that a lot of like supplement companies or whatever will sort of just refer to the benefit of creatine when it comes to gym training is it is really just giving you that bit more energy for those extra few reps. Maybe you can lift a little bit heavier. Maybe you can lift a couple more because you do just have that top up of an energy system that is already there and is definitely going to help you anyway. But if you've topped it up and you've given it a little bit more, it's just going to go that tiny bit extra. So there's so much evidence for this. There's <laughs> there's so much for it. And like I said, obviously, I'm not here to tell everyone what to do. Make sure with your doctor your team whatever you're doing that it's actually right for you but we know that there is a lot of benefit from supplementing creatine so for me personally it is a daily non-negotiable no brainer so that is number three number four we've spoken about this so much lately you're going to be like shit here's rubes the broken record it is following a structured training program Like this is such a no brainer and I'm not gonna talk about it for too long because we have spoken about it so much lately and we all know the things. If you are new to the podcast, go back and listen. I'd say between like October through to now, we've done probably six episodes on why we wanna do this. (laughs) But really again, if we think about me, my end goals, my main goals right now, building strength, building a physique, it is an absolute no brainer to make sure I have a structured, progressive training program in place. And really what this means, guys, is just A, not going into the gym and doing random shit. B, making sure that the whole program ties in and makes sense. If we're doing something on a Monday, what are we doing on a Wednesday that works with that in terms of making sure we're training the body in different ways and covering all bases, but also in terms of recovery. And what I mean there is, Um, If we think about some of the stuff I talked about towards the end of last year, we know that if we want to really build the glutes and build the legs and build all the strength in that area, like working the muscle through shortened exercises, lengthened exercises, we've spoken about this so much. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because if we think about going in and doing a leg session on a Monday, maybe we tick off some of those things. We want to then go in and do a session, maybe a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it is, and make sure we're doing the others. And it actually works cohesively and everything makes sense. It's not just going in and picking like a bunch of leg exercises and going as hard as we can. We want to make sure it's all tying in together. We want to make sure, even for me personally, if I bring it back to what I think about I'm a fiend for the hammies. We all know this. I love training hammies. But I always think about like, what are the most demanding hammy exercises that I'm doing? If I'm doing that, let's say on a Monday, I'm not gonna go to gym first thing Wednesday morning and smash hammies. I've just asked them to do heaps on a Monday. I've pushed them to their limit They're in that recovery phase. We know the recovery phase is so important for muscle gain, muscle growth, all those things. It doesn't make sense to go and hit them again 48 hours later if they're still in that phase. And I'm going to come back to that point in a second as well. So when we think about a structured program, it really is about making sure the whole program across the week really ties in together for you and your goal and the two other things that factor into that structure is, like I said, making sure there's recovery in place. I think it's so common for people to think that more is better when it comes to training. Like, if I want good legs, I'll go and train them as much as I can. If I want good shoulders, I'll go and train them as much as I can, whatever. Or even someone just being like, I wanna train six days a week, I wanna lift six days a week. If we think about doing a very well structured training session, that ties in with everything else you've done for the week. You're pushing it to certain limits. You're really hitting that muscle breakdown, all the things they always talk about. We don't want to then go and hit that muscle again two or three more times that week. If it's fatigued, if it's sore, if it's tired, if it's in that recovery phase, that's kind of the point. And if we think about the episodes I did recently with myself talking about my own personal training and then Shaq's training and everything, we know that there are different times where we wanna like train to failure and sit in that recovery. And then other times where we wanna recover as quick as we can to go again. But it's really important to understand that. So if you don't understand that, definitely go back and have a listen to the last few episodes. But really, if I think about myself, with the goal of wanting to build strength and build muscle mass, when I train, I wanna train to the point where it's pretty heavy, it's pretty hard, I'm pretty fucking cooked by the time that I'm done. And PS, if you think about everything I just said, I want creatine in my system if I'm doing that. I want a high carbohydrate pre-training meal if I'm doing that. I want protein in my system after that meal if I'm doing that. Can we see how all this shit really ties in to move me in the direction that I wanna go? But bringing it back, if I do really nail that session and it's a wicked session on my hammies, glutes, whatever, if I did that on a Monday and they're sore Tuesday and Wednesday and even Thursday. It doesn't make sense to go again for the sake of going again. So often people are like, oh, but I'm going to train again because I want better legs, whatever. If those legs are in that recovery right now, that is exactly what you want. You've pushed them to the point where they're going through that process we want them to go through. Let them go through it. Don't pull them out of it to hit them again because you're like, oh, but I want them, I want to train them again because I want better legs that process they're going through is what is making them better legs. So <laughs> I hope that made sense. But to me, again, that's where it's finding that sweet spot of having the structure to hit things frequently and often and well, but not overdo it for the sake of overdoing it, making sure they are getting the recovery and everything that they need. And the last little thing I'll say on the structured training is someone asked the other week in a QA, and I did didn't Insta Q&A, and someone said, why wouldn't we just push every single exercise as hard as we can? Like, why do we have some exercises if you're in Eat Like Ruby and we think about um, some exercises we do like an RPE 7, RPE 8, RPE 9. If you don't know what that means, you can join Eat Like Ruby. But somebody said, why don't we just push everything to a 10? That's a great question because it makes sense if we think about a lot that we know. It's like, why would I just go as fucking hard as I could? The reason that I program different RPEs is to create that structure in a few ways. If we go into a session, we don't want to walk into the gym and the very first thing we do be an RPE 10 exercise. That means like the first weight I pick up is as heavy as I fucking can. Most people are probably going to get injured. We're probably going to lose form very quickly. We're probably going to get quite sloppy very quickly. If we think about, if you're in Eat like Ruby and you think about your programming, usually our first exercise is around like an RPE 7 It's to warm up, it's to get things going, it's to get certain muscles moving, it's to get certain movement patterns happening. If we think about doing like, I'm gonna get so off topic, but if we think about doing something like a split squat, we're pushing a little bit of weight, but we're getting the legs warmed up, we're getting the hips mobile, we're getting range good, we're getting all those things good. We then usually go into our second exercise being a higher RPE and like our main lift of that program. We've done a bit of a warm up. we've got all those things I don't like to use that term warm up because I think people just think like walking on the treadmill. When we think about warm up, we're trying to get certain muscles moving in certain ways and we're trying to get range of mobility and all these things happening. So, the point I'm making here with the structure is we want certain exercises in training for that reason. We want certain exercises in there to be a heavy lift. We want certain things in there to work on posture, to work on core strength, to work on mobility. There's so many things that we work on with training if we were to just go in and lift as heavy a weight as we couldn't go balls to the wall with every exercise, we lose a lot of the benefits of training because we're just pushing as hard as we can. We're probably going to lose form, like I said, very quickly. And then the whole purpose and that structure of training is gone. So that's, To me, why it's so important to have a structured program where certain lifts are prioritized at certain times and then other movements are in there for different reasons and to work on different things. And if we step back, like I said before, and look at that program across the whole week, we're really covering all bases. And that's where the structure comes in. If we're just walking into the gym and being like, hmm, what should I do today? It doesn't make a lot of sense with everything I just said. So that was point number four. I am going to wrap it up now with point number five. I've spoken about this before and I'm gonna speak about this a little bit more over the coming weeks. And that is spending time out of a calorie deficit. I will just preface this point by saying, obviously, if you're a person who is on a big weight loss journey, if you feel like you've got a fair bit to lose and that really obviously is your main focus, this is gonna be a little bit different to you. But I'm talking about the people who do not air quote need to lose weight and maybe have like a bit of a fat loss goal. They wanna lean up a bit. They've got a physique goal like that, but there's not an obvious weight loss goal needed. That is obviously me. If we think about the fact that I'm here to talk about my personal habits, to me, this is a no-brainer, spending as much time out of a deficit as possible. If we think about every single thing I've just spoken about, we know that my main goal is to build a physique and build strength. We know that when we're in a deficit, We have insufficient energy coming in. That's literally what a deficit is. It actually just doesn't make sense to be like, I want to build strength and build a physique. I want to build something, but I'm giving the body nothing. I actually know I'm giving the body less than what it needs every day to function. Those two things just don't work at all when we think about it. And I feel like I've dabbled in this in the podcast so much. We haven't spoken about it that much lately, but... This is where we can see so many people just spin their wheels because they do have a physique goal and they wanna build legs and build quads and glutes and shoulders or any or all of these things. But it's this constant fuck around in the deficit that is really stopping them from doing it because we're not going to truly build and create actual shape change in the deficit. And that's not to say like, we know we can train hard in the deficit. We know we can get like a bit of a pump. We can obviously maintain muscle. It's not the end of the world. Like muscle doesn't just disappear when we're in the deficit. But when we think about truly building a physique, when you think about someone that's just got like awesome legs, awesome glutes, awesome delts, or an awesome performance, someone who's benching super heavy, like hitting hip thrust PBs, hitting squat PBs, jumps on the bar, just reps out a bunch of chin-ups, whatever. That person is not deficient in energy year-round. It just doesn't make sense. You don't progress with a goal like that when you're giving the body fuck all to do so. And if we tie this in with that first point that I made, probably not the first point, I've made a million, but um, when I said at the start, for me, I know that I want to eat a big pre-training meal, I want to get in the gym and get after it, all of those things, and I linked it to the deficit, it would be so detrimental of me to then fuck around on low calories for eight months of the year or, or longer. Like some people do this year round, they spend no time out of it and really want to optimize those things. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I spoke about this a little bit in the episode about my um, own personal nutrition training. I'm going to do some episodes in the coming weeks about going into a gaining phase because I'm absolutely getting ready to do that for myself. But really the key thing I want people to take from this and my key reason for this, I guess if we think about the point of today's episode is if we do wanna build physique or we wanna improve performance, we wanna increase muscle mass, we wanna improve our lifts or we wanna do any or all of those things, it makes sense to spend as little time on a low calorie, low energy diet as possible. So this is where it's important to just tap in and think, is that a goal of mine? Am I someone who does really wanna progress with those things and get after it long-term? If so, we want fat loss to be short, sharp, direct. We wanna get in, we wanna get the result and we wanna get the fuck out so we can get back on a good energy intake, we can kill it in the gym and we can actually move towards that goal. So I'm not gonna talk too much more about that because I've spoken about it so much before, it's gonna come up a lot again in the coming weeks as I talk about my own gaining phase but I think a cool thing to think about there is if you are someone who is pursuing fat loss right now and is in a deficit and you do have goals to build physique and or performance throughout this year make the most of your deficit now Every day, every week, every month that goes by where we kind of fuck around and we're like, oh, like I didn't hit it, I didn't feel like it, I slept in, I didn't track the weekend. Any or all of those things, like that's totally fine. Do what you want, go off. We don't really care, but you're gonna care because you're going to go through this deficit, hit a point where you're either like, I actually don't have much to show for this or fuck, I would have loved to have moved to a performance phase, a gaining phase or something like that right now, but I'm still trying to achieve the fat loss I set out to achieve in January. We don't wanna be in that position and that's why I say we wanna make the most of it. So if you're in a deficit right now, really have a think, what do I wanna get out of this? Why am I enduring this? Why am I sitting in this? Why am I pushing through this? We want to have something to show for that. So really knuckle down, get it done and then you're gonna be so stoked when you get to March, April, May, whatever it is for you personally, when you can pivot and be like, cool, I tick that off. I can get the fuck out of that deficit. This is coming from someone right now, guys, who's sitting here on 2,300 calories a day. It's fucking great. Like, (laughs) I do the fat loss thing. I get it done. I get out. I get on that high intake. The pre-training meal is huge. The workouts are fucking awesome. I can see my physique really growing, really changing. I can see my lifts improving. And the whole thing is just so empowering and so enjoyable. So like I said, there's plenty more talk about that to come in the coming weeks. But that is my fifth And final point, I hope you guys got something out of this episode. I'm going to be back Next week, I think with another solo, Um, I mentioned it a little while ago, but I've got my mum coming back on the podcast to talk about her muscle gain, fat loss, all of the things she's been doing as she gets ready for her 60th, which is so fucking cool. Um, Like I said, go back and listen to the recent episodes about my personal nutrition for the year and just all the episodes where we talk about all the things, but we will be back next week. Thanks guys.